Today we're talking with Brad Lewis, who is running for city council president. Welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Hello. Thank you very much for having me today. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are? I'm a business owner here in the city. I grew up in Troy. I went to Troy High. Me and my wife live on the east side. I studied at St. Rose. I got my MBA in finance, um, financial planning, and small business and entrepreneurship. I used that to propel my own small business, and then I started another one in real estate. So I have one business in masonry and hardscape construction and another one in um, real estate where we bought and rehab foreclosed homes in the city and use them. Uh, we have them as tenants uh, occupy them, so we created housing. So I've done 14 houses in the city. Um, currently, I only manage 22 apartments, meaning that um, we've sold a couple houses or I helped other people rehab their houses. I serve on the board of Hope 7 as a treasurer. I was president in the past. I was vice president as well. I serve with a lot of great people. Thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself. So you are running for uh, city council president as the Republican candidate against Sue Steele, who is currently on the city council. Maybe some of our audience doesn't really know what city council president is. So sure. uh, what is this role? And can you just tell us a little bit about why you're running for city mm -hmm. council president in Troy? Yeah, so president's one of the seven council members. They lead the regular meeting and the finance meeting as well. I actually think that's kind of nice because leading the finance meeting is sort of right up my alley, given that my background's in finance. That's what I went to school for. Unfortunately, I um, graduated right after the financial bubble burst in 09. So I went, went into construction and housing instead. But, you know, finance is my background and financial planning and that sort of thing is uh, what I went to school for. So I think leading the finance meeting, leading the regular meeting, and also setting the tone of the city and I mean, quite frankly, there's going to be a lot of times when people want to interview the president and they want somebody that's going to be the, the leader of the council to sort of give their take on what's happening from the legislative side. Great. Why are you running for this position? Yeah, so right now, you know, I've been a lifelong resident of Troy. And so for me, I've just seen so many things that are just lost it by the wayside. And I have got to a point in my life where I have enough time and energy to give back to the city instead of, you know, continuing on the path that I'm on. I didn't really want to be in construction. I wanted to be in finance. That's what I went to school for, but all external circumstances leading, that's what my path went down. But right now, I think this is something good that I can get back. That's my perspective, that I can, you know, sort of fuel my soul in terms of being able to give back, help people, help the city, the city I love. Um, and from the external perspective, I think the city needs a fresh perspective because right now I think the morale is really low in City Hall. I think there's a lot of um, just struggle for people to understand like why they can't get city services. And also there lacks a little bit of creativity on some of the things that I think are important issues in the city. Okay, we'll get into those in a minute. The city council has like a reputation of... Uh, at this point in time, introducing legislation on behalf of the administration. Um, if you are leading the city council as city council president, how will you hold the administration accountable? That's a great question. One of the problems I think the city has is um, the city council doesn't have access to an attorney that can write their legislation. So they have to kind of wait. I mean, in, right now they're waiting on Rick Morrissey to write any legislation they want him to. And if he's too busy or we're understaffed, they don't, they get put in the order that, I don't know, maybe he de determines is appropriate. 
So they don't have any like unbiased person that they can just say, hey, would you do this for me? They have to wait. And, and Rick Morrissey, I believe, is appointed by the administration. So they're very intermingled. I think that if they would have an attorney that would work with the city council, if necessary, that would help a lot. I mean, but there is, if you're looking at percentage-wise, there is a need for the mayor to introduce the legislation, generally speaking. So there's going to be a high percentage of just transactional things that have to get pushed through. But I think there's so many more opportunities for city council to um, sort of direct the mayor and what they see and what they're hearing from their constituents by introducing legislation that sort of, it might be a little bit pro-conflict, but it actually can sort of force the administration to comply with the laws that the citizens actually would like to see. So it would be great to sort of be a little more um, informative back to the mayor instead of getting all your direction one way. It checks and balances, really. Great. And having said that, one area where the current city council has been trying to push back is related to what happened with Harbor Point Gardens. You've been at a lot of the hearings. I've seen you there. Harbor Point, where, you know, over 100 people were evacuated from their apartments due to a variety of code infringements. Uh, So I'm just curious if you are in this position and you know there's probably more Harbor Points out there, what could the council do to sort of mitigate this problem citywide? Yeah, so definitely in order to solve Harbor Point before it becomes a homeless crisis, like what, 58 families are homeless? It's just, it's unacceptable, really. In order to do that, you have to start hitting people with code violations as the violations happen. Now, of course, that's the code department, and they're led by the director of code, which is a vacant you know, position, and they're, that's led by the engineer, which is a vacant position, who's then led by the deputy mayor, who maybe has too much on his plate, meaning that he's absorbing three positions right there. I think that one of the things I'd like to see is all those positions filled. I'd also like to see our sort of self-esteem in the city change. I think we've been a little lax on code enforcement because we're afraid of people ditching our city, so to speak. But I think people want to be here. And I, I invested, you know, in 14 buildings in the city because I believe that people want to be here. And I believe in good housing. You know, I, I was awarded a preservation award from the historic um, Albany F- Foundation in Albany for the work I've done preserving properties. So when I look at them, I look at them like how good can they be, not what's the bare minimum you can do in order to extract money out of them. So personally, I think that we need to encourage the code enforcement officers to not be so gun shy. If they can get ahead of Harbor Point and say, hey, these bricks are going now, we need to create a plan, there doesn't need to be a shut it down order. So I think from a city council perspective, you can write codes, but also you have to do some encouraging. And from encouragement perspective, sometimes that is going to the news and saying, hey, look, we're trying, but you can see it, you know. Thanks for that. There's been this phrase that has been tossed around related to code and related to Harbor Point, which is the residential occupancy Mm -hmm. permit. Could you just say a little bit about what this is and whether you Mm -hmm. think uh, Troy needs to introduce residential occupancy permits to address this sort of code issue? Yes, yes. So um, residential occupancy permit, where every time you have a turnover in in an apartment, they would then go in and inspect to make sure the apartment is safe. I'm for that from probably three units and above, and I'm undecided at two and three units. A single family, I'd probably be against it 
because obviously that would be every time a house is sold and bought. And But a two and three units, I, th- I could see there being some problems with some older homes in the city where you might have some big catastrophic problems. I think to start out, anything over three, I would really like to see that happen. I'd be pro a residential occupancy program and sort of saying, like, call it a multiple, multiple family or maybe even three. Three, I'm on the fence. Two, I'm definitely on the fence, but over three, I'm so pro it's not even funny i would i would love to like have these people have to they have to get the um permit because if they do then you know that departments are safe and people aren't going to be thrown out like this and on top of that these are when you're getting to four units and above you're totally talking about investors you're not talking about you know my great aunt down the street or you know Somebody has lived there their whole lives and they're kind of forced with the housing stock. Most of these places were built to make money. And because of that, they need to bear the cost, the burdens of being a manager of that property. I think you answered my next question somewhat, but this difference between over three units versus like one to two units Mm -hmm. and how you have a varying uh, opinion about what the residential Mm -hmm. occupancy permit. And I was just wondering, you know, does that hurt small landlords? Is that why you're against it? Or like why why be against it for like that level of check uh, for smaller buildings? So to clarify, I'm not against it yet. Oh, okay. And I'm not Sorry. pro it for it yet uh-huh. because I, I feel like I need time to digest how that affects those people. Because I think, I guess I have a little bit of compassion for somebody who owns a two family that might maybe owner occupied, you know? So there's a spectrum of, of rules that could apply to that. I think first thing first, we need to start forcing landlords to register their buildings and out of area landlords to be forced. I mean, this is already law, but we need to force it is land, out of out-of-area landlords are supposed to have somebody within 30 miles registered, which would then give you somebody that you can call up and say, solve this problem. But right now, we don't enforce that. So, Great. Thanks for going a little bit further into that, Brad. And we are quickly running out of time, so mm-hmm. I just want to uh, make sure I give you you know, the last space here. What would you like our audience to know about you? What is sort of like your elevator pitch mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. audience of why they should vote for you over Sue Steele for uh, city council president in this next election? So I have a family. I have two kids that are going to go through the Troy system here. I have invested in Troy. I'm you know, creative, and I have a lot of ideas on issues and solutions, and I'm independent. I'd like to think I'm independent. At least, you know, I don't fall in party lines. When I put lawn signs out, it's both Democratic and Republican, and I've done that multiple times. It's because I believe in people that believe in the city or do work for the city. So I think because of that, I can offer people a fresh perspective, creativity, somebody that can go to City Hall, you know, and City Council and try to do his best for Troy over any other affiliation you might have. 